This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Want to become the sort of developer top rail shops like ThoughtBot fight over? Join Upcase today to get the pro training, insider knowledge, access to ThoughtBot developers, and a community of like-minded learners you need. Hone core skills like Vim, Tmux, Git, and Rails by visiting upcase.com slash half off to get 50% off your first month of Upcase. Let's get that junior out of your title and start leveling up today with Upcase. Where is the red? Yeah, I don't know. Like, everything is orange. Um... <laughs> Hi, you're listening to a tentative uh, podcast about product design. I'm your co-host, Reda Lemadin, and with me is the amazing Kyle Fiedler. Hi, Kyle. Hello. How are you? Great. So, um, what are we going to talk about today? I think we ran through our list of topics and <laughs> we're tentatively talking about writing as a designer. Man, you shouldn't have Which, done this. We could just make it appear like, of course, we're going to talk about writing because I <laughs> because this or that. Well, I do. I think it is a good topic because you have recently released a couple of blog posts, right? Yeah, I released, uh, I think, the third one this week and the fourth is almost done. Nice. It'll be done by the time this podcast airs. Right? <laughs> Most likely, yes. Put some pressure on you. No, I think it's already, yeah, ready. But yeah, I've been writing and uh, you, you also have written some fairly popular stuff on the blog. Yeah, last year I, I challenged myself. I wanted to write on our blog uh, a post a month. I almost got there. This year I don't have any, any such uh, goals. But I still, I enjoy writing. I enjoy uh, a lot of the reaction I get. I actually, wait, that's a lie. I don't enjoy writing. <laughs> I force myself to write so that I get better at communicating, um, which I guess is a, is a lead into like what, one of the things that we can talk about, which is like reasons for designers to write. Um, yeah, no, definitely. We can also talk about the different types of of writing and how like each one of these types require different sets of like techniques and skills and things like that. So why do you, why do you write? Why do you write on our blog? You, you also have your own blog that oh, we yeah. can put in the show notes that you write on. Sure. Like what are the reasons for you to write? That is a really good question to get things uh, started. So uh, I think one of the reasons why I like writing things is that Basically, you you have like freeze frames of uh, of your state of mind at a specific point in time, and you can always go back to that as a reference in the future. Like, I wonder what I was thinking three, four years ago about this topic, and then having that ex like somewhere accessible is good because you can see how much you're evolving as a person, and also like also it helps you like share that with others as well, especially if you put it online like in a blog post. And it, this applies both to uh, personal lives and also professional ones. So just to give you an example, when I was writing the last blog post that was talking about a, so it's a basically a tutorial of how to do a custom button in iOS. And uh, I have done the exact same topic three, four years ago on the same blog. And just looking at the two, you can actually see a lot in both how to, like technology 
changed and also how I changed and the way I explain things changed. And that's that's a really interesting perspective to look at because when I read the article I've written four years ago, I have trouble actually understanding the mindset that I had at that point because I was talking about a lot of things that I, I was supposing that everyone understands just because at that point I had just understood those things and they were still very fresh in my mind. But now I'm taking more of like an approach where I don't assume that the reader knows any of this stuff. So, and I myself actually try to forget most of those things and, and really go back to the basics of doing something. And I find that really interesting in the sense that you can see your progress both as a person and as a designer or developer. What do you think? Yeah, that, that's actually super interesting that, that you've basically written the same article twice and, and that there's a big gap. And in, in... I remember I, I haven't had a chance to read the, the new one yet, but I re- do remember reading the old one. The, so the reasons that, that I really like to write is it helps me. So I, I think writing in general helps me communicate better, whether verbally or written, whether it be in email or in Trello or in Basecamp or whatever it is. Like the more I write specifically like blog posts and, and get concrete ideas that I have and, and like put them out in public and the better I can communicate those, the better I'll be able to communicate everywhere else. Another reason is because it helps me make those ideas more concrete. Like it helps me think through new ideas that I have. So like I'm, I'm thinking about the job stories blog post I wrote. Um, like I basically wrote a lot of the blog post and then implemented it on a couple projects and then w- went back, re-edited it and released it. So it like helped me get my, my thoughts down on how we should approach job stories and then basically did it <laughs> yeah. and then came back later. That's another like important goal, I guess. I To be honest, I don't think of it this way. I don't think of it as a way to improve communication because a lot of times I would assume that no one would read this. Like that's how <laughs> I typically like approach a new like uh, things I write is like, let's assume that no one will read this. And of course you you need to have some sort of like target audience in mind to write, like to have a good writing, you have to have a target audience. But I try to just like say, well, let's suppose um, the colleague next to me is reading this and just write it. But let's not assume that this is going to be, I don't know. Uh, although what I'm saying probably does not contradict the point that it still helps you learn to communicate regardless of whether you do it willingly or not. Right. It's like anything else. The more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And yeah. even if it's, you know, in a certain context, you'll still get better at communicating. Well, I like, I like that. So do you, when you write your, your blog posts, are you thinking of someone in particular? Are you thinking, Hey, this is, this isn't ever going to be read, but this is for me to record like my thought process so, right now. This is a really good question because I think right now I'm doing the former. Like I'm thinking specifically about, I have like a persona in mind. So for these iOS design blog series, blog post series, I I assume that I'm talking to a person who has been doing a lot of web design and very doesn't know much about mobile or native development. So that's that's the persona I have in mind. 
And whenever I am writing any sentence, I try to review every word I use and make sure that it has either been defined before or will be defined the same paragraph or at least mention that they don't need to understand it right now. So I always make sure that whatever new concepts I'm introducing are introduced in a specific order. Whereas before, for that same article I've written about a custom button, that, that was something that I've done without thinking about the target audience. So was that for designers? Was that for developers? Was that for everyone? I don't know. You can basically, it's really hard to actually pinpoint what was the target audience of that one. And to be honest, I think it was me. I, I've written that for myself. And I think that's one of the other things that I like about writing is that it helps me document stuff and also share that with others. So if I'm doing, for instance, this thing over and over, like whenever I want to do something, I would think, oh, so what are the methods that I can use to do this sort of thing? And a lot of the blog posts, if you look back at all the stuff that I've written in the last four or five years, they're all like like things that... I actually needed to have like I've done one about um, icons way back uh, so like icon fonts SVG all of that I've done this one about designing a button I've done one about retina graphics like the different uh, for web on smashing magazine like there are a few of them that are there were mostly things that I've written primarily so that I don't have to look them up over and over and over again in different sources this is like the first category of of things, and there's the second category which I don't I don't do as much, but uh, it's more like opinion pieces, and this is like the sort of stuff that goes a lot in my personal blog, which I renamed to Unredacted recently, but it had different names in the past, and uh, that's where the things are a little bit either controversial or just personal opinion, and in those ones I don't really. Uh, invest a lot of time in 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 justifying my my point of view i do actually give a little bit of argument but it's mostly like here's my opinion about x it's here if someone asks in the future so what do you think about react native i just sent them to my article about react native <laughs> like this is what i think about it at least at this at that moment when i've written that and i don't have to repeat the same thing over and over again so Reference and documentation are two things I really like, two aspects I really like in writing, technical writing, or it doesn't have to be technical, but also like opinion pieces about technology, for instance. So, yeah. Do you still keep your personal blog? I do. I actually wrote a post last week, yeah, actually the beginning I, of this week. I read that one. I'm going to try writing more on my personal blog. Like I said, last year, I was trying to focus a lot on writing for ThoughtBot. I'm going to still do that. Uh, the, the difference between, I don't know, I don't know if I, I, I break down the same way that you do, because I certainly have written opinion pieces or what I think are opinion pieces for the ThoughtBot blog recently. Yeah. What was that one that was quite um, popular? I, I would say that the Blurred Lines post oh, yes, is exactly. an opinion piece. Yes, yes. Um, the that's one. the first one that comes to mind. No, the things that I, I'm I'm going to continue to write about on my personal blog are like personal workflows or things that are like more personal to me. So the the post that I just wrote 
was it was my six year anniversary here. Um, and it was a kind of a look back at how I got to ThoughtBot and how ThoughtBot has grown since I got here. And, and that was more of like a narrative style post and probably not something that I would put on the giant robots ThoughtBot blog. Uh, to be honest, I don't see why not. Um, I feel like uh, giant robots has like has become a lot focused on technology and announcements. I think it would be fine if someone writes something like that. In fact, I think we need more stuff like that. But I'm I'm not trying to coerce. Maybe I can repost. <laughs> no, no. But this has been something that I was thinking I should start doing more. And the thing of like you know writing an opinion piece on the company blog is not something that should be considered wrong. <laughs> right. If you see what I mean. It's interesting though that to hear how you approach different articles and and how you approach because you have like somewhat of a different approach to each type of article that you're writing or maybe each article. I, I usually tackle a lot of my articles of thinking of like just one person, not even a persona, but just one person that, that I'd like to have read it and whether they end up reading it or not. Like sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it does, but usually they're like in my head, there's one person that I really want to read each thing that, that I wrote and I'm basically writing it for them. Yeah, I tend to do the same approach, as I said earlier. For very like technology-focused articles, I try to focus on who is going to be reading this and am I making sense? Because like some topics, you can actually go into very deep in, into that topic, into the details of the topic. And some other topics, or actually, no, uh, let me rephrase this. In the same topic, you can stay on the surface if, if you're targeting, for instance, beginners or go a little bit deeper, if you're targeting like intermediate or advanced uh, users or developers. So I guess knowing, knowing your target audience is really important. And yeah, sometimes I, I don't usually have like real people in mind. I just create these personas that are like an like an amalgamation of a bunch of people. Think of it as just like <laughs> a chimera or something. And I think of that chimera as um, my reader. And then I just freak out and... <laughs> no, never mind. This is going out of uh, control. Um, no, but yeah, having having a person in, in, in mind, even though they might be uh, fictional, is uh, is really helpful. That said, for opinion pieces or for things that... When I'm talking about myself or my opinions... At that point, I don't really care that much about having a target audience. I mean, in terms of, I don't want that to shape um, to shape my writing. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, that both, like, I, I before I started doing this, like, I would get overwhelmed, especially writing for Thoughtbot, where we have thousands of people following us and reading the blog posts. I would get overwhelmed about thinking about who's going to read it. And, and it would kind of like stagnate my writing. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I like to approach it the way that I do now. Yeah. There's another thing that I've been noticing when writing for robots is we do actually follow our typical development and design workflow. So you open a PR and you get reviews. And sometimes that that's quite a departure from what, like how most people write that are outside of 
you know, like uh, publications and editorial teams. Outside of those like circles, most people just write stuff, probably read it a couple of times and publish it. Whereas a thought bot, at least if you're writing for like the blog or even like it could be for the playbook or for the for other you know things that we have you have to go through the the review process and i find that really interesting because there is the part where obviously people are correcting grammar but there's also the part where actually people trying to influence how you write like some people might think that oh this sentence is a little bit too strong or this or that and i find that interesting because it's you get very like detailed feedback about specific parts of your writing. And I'm not trying to sound rebellious here, but sometimes I do ignore some of the things that would make my article be or feel like it has been written by any other employee of the company. And I typically, I do not aim for that. I want this to be recognizable as something that I have written. So if it's quirky in this area or it doesn't, sound exactly right uh, at least not i'm not talking about grammatical errors and typos and that stuff more like about some parts where you might sound a little bit too confident or if you see what i mean like some parts where you see a little bit of of personal touch and i typically do not comment on those parts and i don't change all of them when they go through review and of course i ex i explain why i would like it to stay this way or that way but i i found this part also interesting in, in the process so for the process i i really enjoy the process just because you know even after reading over an article that i've i've personally edited there's still a lot of grammar that that can be a lot better um, mostly because i'm a not very good writer. Um, <laughs> so I, I enjoy getting a lot of the feedback. I, my assumption is that our process is actually similar to a more like a, a publisher where like we would submit an article to an editor or a group of editors. You know, the, the people who are doing a lot of the editing on, on the blog, a lot of the times they're, they're the same group of people that care a lot about writing and so they do a very good job of catching a lot of the grammar stuff. I, I agree that, that sometimes there are things that, that people point out that aren't grammar that are more about how you're delivering your message. I haven't gotten as much as those. Maybe I'm not as strong opinionated as, as you are, or <laughs> well, I don't no. come across as strong. Um, no, I don't think that. No, I don't think it's that's the uh, the thing I was trying to point out. I really like the workflow. I I think I I I I actually talked about two things at the same time, and I mixed them. So I like the workflow, and that's great. I love it. I learned so much about grammar, about like you know, just writing in general. Great. Uh, the the other thing, the other idea that I lumped together with that one was that also like when working as a team, there's this uh, interesting dynamic of like how the individual styles come out in, in writing and how like the review process actually deals with that. And I, I think that if I have to summarize this or my idea at least is that a company blog does not have to have the same tone or not just a company blog, a newspaper or a magazine. It doesn't have to have exactly the same tone. And I think it's fine if uh, this article is a little bit more humorous or more, um, I don't know, it reflects the 
the the personality of 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 the person who wrote it so that you can actually hide the names and read and you can still recognize oh i can know actually who has written this or that but more importantly i want to mention something else that i think i'm what i'm trying to to get actually to is i want to get to the ranty part where i start ranting about things Uh, and this is not one of them of course but hear me hear me i really want one of those soundboards so that I can like hit a button when you're about to rant, <laughs> yeah, or like when you end rant. All right, I'm I'm actually about to rant, and this is gonna be a little bit off topic, or at least it's still about writing, <laughs> but uh, things that I really I don't like seeing these days when I read. So first thing, emoji. Please do not put emoji in your blog posts or in your readmes or in your anything you write online unless it's a personal message in a conversation please do not put emoji because that's that could be i think we talked about this in the past of like emotional uh, was it was it emotional design or did yeah, we call it we that i don't i don't remember exactly what we called it but don't use emoji all over the place they're useless uh and yeah they make your writing feel li- a little bit more hip but Sorry, that's not the point. Like, if I look at that right in like six months from now, well, you know, like things uh, they they uh, they they come and go. So maybe like a few years from now, you look at emoji and start laughing. Although I don't see that them going anywhere, <laughs> but you never know. But still, what I'm trying to say is that language has enough uh, constructions and tools to make your 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 sentence sound funny or sound serious or you don't need to add an angry emoji or a smiling emoji to to actually actually i think it's usually a sign that you're not a good writer so that's number one second don't write on medium sorry i have nothing against medium but i just don't like reading on medium because everything looks the same everything looks it's like basically you just take a bunch of ingredients you put them in into a mixer you mix them and you drink them without knowing what went there like i don't i don't know who like I don't, I don't see like there's no visual way to recognize uh, who is writing what. And at some point it just becomes, oh, it's one of those medium articles. You don't even like identify with the author anymore. There's some good stuff in there, but sadly there's a lot of not good stuff. And that not good stuff actually damages the image of quality that of that thing. And since it uses the same visuals and the same layout and everything, it just, to me at least, it starts feeling cheap. Like whenever I see something on Medium, I go in with the expectation that it's going to be mediocre. Uh, and that's a bad thing. Start your own blog. It's not really hard. Use Jackal, GitHub pages, whatever. There's a lot of tools actually that make it really easy these days. So yeah, those are two of my big pet peeves about writing. And also don't do the things where like six things you need to do as a designer some stupid thing like this i don't think clickbaity uh, titles i've used them in the past i'm not saying that i haven't but i mean they were fun for like a couple of years and now now everyone knows typically clickbaity articles tend to have bad like bad content they they, they don't have much substance into them so yeah i think end of rent <laughs> Sorry, I, really I, I had to get this out of my system. I don't know if I totally agree with you on Medium. I do think there is is a typical Medium post now, and there are a lot of people writing to exactly what that style is, which is kind of weird. Um, but I, I, I follow 
a couple of people on Medium and then a topic. And I don't have, except for like when I get a link from, you know, Designer News or one of those other uh, link aggregate things, I don't really end up on Medium posts not knowing who the author is beforehand. So it's like, I know before I'm clicking on the link that it's, you know, a certain author, but I can see how once you're in that interface, it does, as you could say the same thing about giant robots is that we kind of bury who wrote it. Um, it's not nearly as important as the actual article. True. That's a good way to think about it. But at the same time, I think giant robots does not like when you scroll, uh, it scrolls fine. Medium does not. <laughs> it it it's jittery and and well. Let's not get into these details. Uh, I think okay. it's mostly what I don't like about any any like silo, especially when it comes to uh, forms of expression. I think is that you're basically you don't own your 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 writing. You don't own that stuff. It's you know, and it's a black box. It's there now. But you don't know if it's gonna be there. Some people cross like cross posts. I know a lot of people who do that, and that's a good thing because they get the best of both words. And actually, I thought about doing that at some point, like put stuff elsewhere and also put it on Medium because some people use just that. And mm -hmm. as scary as it is, it's the truth. Uh, again, like it's just a tool, and people use it. But I guess they it also like help create a a mindset and a community around it so it 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 transcends just being a tool and it becomes a way of doing things that defines who you are so now like you might be x y and also the type of people who write on medium it become a category of you know of it's a label and it can be labeled with that and as much as you can actually not care and just do what what fits you most and i i hear the, the argument of i write on medium because i can focus on writing and forget about all the other details which is fair but uh, at least the way i see it is that shipping that like what you write is also part of the overall experience owning your your ideas and your and, and having total control over them i think is as important as sharing them like if medium comes tomorrow and say hey we're gonna put ads it's going to be too late for you to say, oh, I don't want ads in my articles. It's not, you don't control those articles anymore. You can delete them, but they still have them backed up and they have other people who actually won't delete them. So at the end of the day, I think it's, to me, it devalues a little bit the um, the actual content. And it's a personal point of view. I mean, I'm not expecting everyone to share it. Medium is very successful. Proves that actually the majority do not agree with me is fine but i still think that's not the right way to do things and i will keep saying this until medium either pivots or dies off or something else replaces it i don't know but i don't think this is the uh, we're going a little bit off topic so let's <laughs> yeah, go back to designers and writing so one of the things that i wanted to ask you before you started ranting about medium um, and emojis. I agree with you on emojis, by the way. But no emojis. All right. No emojis. How, how do you think of things to write about? Like, how do you come up with topics? Like, how how do you, you know, on, on your opinion pieces? 
on the things that you're writing for ThoughtBot? Like, wh what are the ways that you come up with topics? Do, do you have like some consistent way of like keeping those ideas ready for when you have time to write on them? Like, yes, I yes, I can answer this question. Um, this is a really good question too. So typically, I identify a need regarding something. So typically, I would look for an information while learning something and have a really hard time finding it. And typically, this is what basically, you know, it's the trigger that I need probably to write about this so that someone else in the future who is interested in, in this specific topic will not have to do all of that work again. And this is typically, you know, like tutorials or documentation or technical posts. For opinion pieces, it's when I, you know, when, when there's something that just keeps bothering me day after day after day and I have to get it out of my system. Now I have this podcast, so that's great. I don't have to write as much. Um, <laughs> I was going to write about writing on Medium, but now I don't have any more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when something just keeps eating me from, from the inside, I just put, I have a Trello board, a uh, personal one, because we have one that's for the company, but I also keep another one for just these like ideas. Like I need to write about this trend or this thing. And a lot of them actually, I don't end up writing, writing about them because they either die, die off and they just, you know, people move on or because I don't, I don't care anymore. Uh, but the things that I still do care about and I still see them being talked about, uh, I, I usually write about them and I just move them from ideas to writing to publishing. And actually, I don't even at first, I don't even decide where I'm going to write about this. Just put it there. And later, if I think, you know, I have some time, I'm going to put this on robots. Then I, I just create a card on robots. And if I'm going to do it on my personal blog, I just leave it there. And also I have been doing this thing, which I think is really good as far as I'm concerned is I, um, whenever I have an idea, I actually go and start writing immediately in, uh, Apple notes. I used, uh, Evernote in the past, but not anymore. I like app. The new Apple notes is really good, by the way, they improved a lot of stuff. So I start writing there. It could be a one paragraph and then I, I just leave it and then come back later especially if it's a thing that's, that's of the category of something that keeps bothering me. It's like every time I have one more reason, this thing bothers me. So I just put it there as a paragraph. And by like, you know, like after like four or five months, I've got the article. It's usually not well written. So I have to go over it, clean it up and stuff. And I have tons of those that are not published right now. And a lot of them are a little bit like, you know, they're a little bit controversial and sometimes I think, you know what, I'm not going to publish this just because I'm I'm currently not ready to either think about this or explain to people this point of view. So I just leave them there. But yeah, this is typically my workflow. And then I use Markdown in Sublime. And recently, or last week, I I open sourced and released a Mark, Markdown preview app. It's under the ThoughtBot GitHub account and it's on the Mac App Store. So it's just an app that previews that does live preview for your markdown files. Currently it has the GitHub uh, theme or at least it's inspired by GitHub. I'm planning to add more themes later, but so yeah, it's not a priority. And I, and I use that to preview and then I publish that's yeah. So that's how, how my workflow typically goes. Um, cool. How about yours? Do you keep notes or ideas somewhere or 
Yeah, it's actually quite similar to what what you do. I so when I have an idea, if I have the time, I'll just sit down and write out a really terrible first draft, like as much as I can. If I don't have the time, it's the same kind of approach that you just kind of mentioned, which is I'll write in. Uh, I, I also use the Apple Notes. I'll write like a title and either like an intro paragraph or a closing or like the meat of what I think the article could be. And I'll just leave it in my notes. And like if I have, when I come back and I do have either time to write or I'm getting that like, oh my God, this, I want to write about this kind of feeling again. Um, I'll sit down and read through that quick and then continue either where I left off or, you know, polishing around it putting like filling in around it. So I have a similar, similar kind of workflow. Um, I don't have anywhere like a list of ideas. Cause usually like in the past when I've, when I've kept that, it's been, it hasn't been, worked well for me. Like I need that extra paragraph to explain what I was thinking. Cause if I just like write down a title or write down, write about this topic I'm not going to have the same passion for that as I did when I wrote down the topic. So I try to, as much as possible, like write as much as possible when I'm really passionate about that topic. And that that way, I think the articles I write that way are a lot better. It's certainly easier for me to write. And then I, the first draft is always really terrible. Um, like you said, like you, you, from your process of like, you know, writing here and there uh, and ending up with a long article, I have to go back and edit it. And I probably go back and read it anyone who, anywhere from like five <laughs> to 10 times. Um, yeah. And, and a lot of that, like the first time is, is basically I'm rewriting the article. So, and then from there, I'll, I'll, I'll ask a couple people to look over it before I post it just to make sure if it's a personal thing, to make sure that all my grammar is right. And on the thought about, we already talked about that process, just having, making sure that my grammar and everything sounds good um, before yeah. I actually put it out into the world. Cool. One thing I wanted to sort of talk about before we conclude this episode is um, the, so well, the, the title of this, or at least the topic we hoped to talk about is uh designers uh and writing so mm -hmm. do you think in general that there is a correlation between designers and either the type of articles they write or the frequency of the articles they write do you feel like designers write enough in general not not just in top a thought bot but just in general and also do you think that you can read an article and without knowing the person guess that it's written by a designer i mean as long as it doesn't talk about a design topic so i i think you know we should always be writing more you know within thoughtbot myself any designer like one of the first things that i look for for applicants after i look over their portfolios to see if they are writing why because it tells me how you know like it goes back to like how good of a communicator they'll be how good they can communicate their design decisions and how interested they are in communicating their design decisions. You know, as designers, a lot of what we do is, is visual communication, right? But yeah, a lot of interfaces, like I'll start with, with words. 
Um, I know there there are a few other people that they'll, they'll start just with like, what are going to be the actions on this page? Everything that we design around is is around text. So knowing how to write makes I I, I just think it makes you a better designer. So yeah, the more writing that we can do as designers, uh, the better. Can I tell if it if it's a written by a designer? I you know a lot of what I read is from design articles. Um, I don't know if I've written or read uh, articles that are that are written by a designer that aren't about design. You don't read like life experiences and that sort of stuff. I don't think I've stumbled upon them, so maybe I'm not. The articles that I do read that aren't design or related are like from the New York Times or yeah. you know major publications and I'm guessing that they're not written by designers. So I don't know if I can make that correlation of, of yes, this is written by a designer or no, this isn't written by a designer just because of the topic. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. Obviously, I don't have an answer to that question. I don't think I can tell, but there's definitely, as you said, there's definitely a room for more designers writing. I feel like in general, I think what I wanted to communicate is the fact that I like designers don't write as much. That's like an impression I have. Like they prefer sharing their ideas through their design work because I mean, design has an artistic part in it. It's not art, but you can, you can let some of your individual touch be like you know visible in your work and usually designers when they write it's either to complain about something or to complain about something (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at least that's the stuff i read i know there there are people who are not complaining about things but i typically read pieces where people are not happy with the status quo i do think like a lot of the designers that i talk to that don't write don't write because they think they're not good at it, which, Interesting. you know, to me, like, yeah, I'm not really good at it. You know, I know I'm not good at it because of how many edits I get back from, from the people I ask edits for. Um, but that's not really a good enough excuse for not no. writing. Yeah. I uh, no, I don't think so either. I mean, I don't claim to be a great writer, but I just do my best and try to improve, I guess. And I think writing in general is really good because it allows people to communicate better it's actually better than if you think about it like a lot of the arguments that happen on twitter they happen just because people don't actually uh get to explain themselves so people might agree but they still disagree on twitter and i feel like if people wrote like wrote more designers or or just like you know anyone that would actually be better overall for like you know mutual understanding because right. then like you have time to think your arguments and phrase them and put them in a package and someone else to read them and to also do the same if they disagree with you or if they agree with you and it's it's good uh, for our like you know for our uh, industry and also like just in general for people to understand each other better like we don't need to have you know like these factions of oh, I am into this thing and everything else is crap sort of <laughs> mentality. No, I totally agree with you. I And I'm not so worried about people arguing on Twitter and having a misunderstanding there. What I hope doesn't happen is that doesn't happen in real life. Like 
talking to clients, talking to other designers, being able to communicate your design decisions and design ideas uh, is like <laughs> paramount to our job. And the more you write, the better you'll be able to get at that. And with this, we're concluding this episode. <laughs> this is the right way to conclude an episode. High five. High five. Thanks for listening. You can find our show notes at tentative.fm slash 22. You can tweet us at at tentative.fm. You can email us at hosts at tentative.fm. If you liked our show, please rate us on iTunes. And I think that's it. That's a lot of ways to contact us. <laughs>